get started. I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at Let's Talk Torah at gmail.com, and of course, I will answer as many as I can. And, and if you don't want to go the email route, you can always go to our webpage, letstalktorah.net, letstalktorah.net, and you can check out all the old shows, see what's in the archives, see what's coming up, um, and of course, most important, to help the show grow, to help us take care of our expenses here, hit that donate button, please. We have all kinds of levels of donors, and any level is, of course, greatly, greatly appreciated. It helps us um, pay for our expenses, helps us get the word out, helps us spread Helps the show grow, and just like you guys enjoy it, let's get other people to enjoy it. So please hit that donate button, and of course, if you'd like a shout-out, a happy birthday, happy anniversary, a memory of, just write in the comments um, your note, and of course, we'll get that out there for you. Speaking of shout-outs, a special happy birthday to our friend Paul. Paul Benzman's birthday, I believe, was last week. I have no idea how old he is, um, but since he's going to listen, he will call me and tell me, how old he is, but happy birthday, Paul. You're not in the office today, so I am not walking into your office to say happy birthday. But to my happy birthday, it's, it's, uh, the question is, is this the season? If you listen to the last show, we talked extensively how the, the fast day of the 9th of Av shows the great love that God has for the Jewish people. And wouldn't you know, the next Torah portion, always, the Torah portion that follows the ninth of Av, is always Veschanon. And in Veschanon, we have the Shema, where we're commanded to love God. It's amazing. But before we get to the love part, which is what we're going to be focusing on today, um, we might as well start from the beginning. And the beginning, of course, is that most famous verse that everybody knows, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, Hero Israel. Right? I know Shema means hero, but anyways, Shema is like listen, right? Pay attention, Israel, God, our God, God is one. So this is a very very famous story with Rabbi Barrel Wine. He's on a plane. I remember being a I want to say congregant, but my parents were the congregants. I was just a kid. But I knew that whenever he went away, he always came back the next week with a great story. You know, some people, wherever they travel, there's always a story. Now, probably the reason is, you know, nowadays, right, everybody who travels, I mean, you're, you're walking in the store, nobody talks. Nobody wants to talk to anybody. Everyone wants to look down at their phone. I don't want to see people. I don't want to know people. I don't want to talk to people. It, it was so interesting. I just um, uh, was working uh, to get a, something on the on the government, uh, whatever, what, what was that page? The healthcare page, right? So the marketplace. 
So I had to, I had to fill something out. And there's always had problems. I'm not good. I don't know. People tell me exactly how to fill it out, and I still make mistakes. So I called up. I had to, to speak to somebody to help me get in. I forgot my password. So the guy on the phone was so friendly, such a good guy on the phone. So my first name is not the easiest to pronounce, but he wanted to know, you know, where my first name comes from. We had a whole conversation. It was so nice. It was so pleasant. I know the guy just wants to talk to me. Where's your Hebrew name from? Um, how do you pronounce it? What does it mean? We were having a nice conversation. And that's what happens, or that's what doesn't happen, when everybody's looking at their phone all day long. If you put your phone down and you look around, say hello, have a conversation, and life is full of stories. So uh, I guess Ray Barrel Wine, in his days, there were no phones, so people talked. So a guy sitting next to him on the plane, um, it's hard to miss, right? You know, you, you know when you're sitting next to a rabbi on a plane, right? I mean, you know what we look like. So he says to this rabbi wine, he says, can't you roll up all of Judaism into Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, God is one. That's like the, the whole thing. So Wine says, yeah, you could say that. Then, of course, Rabbi Wine says to the person, and if you don't mind, um, what do you do? I'm an astrophysicist. Oh, very nice. He says, you know, isn't everything you do, can't you just roll it up into twinkle, twinkle, little, little star? Right. The point is obvious, right? In other words, you know, for most of us, I don't know what an astrophysicist does, but he, uh, he looks at the sky, deals with stars. Okay, twinkle, twinkle, little star, right? You would like to believe that it's deeper than that. And listen, Israel, right? God, our God, God is one. It's way deeper, way deeper than just the literal translation of those words. It's deep. And maybe we'll touch on some of that depth today. But the next verse is really what I want to get into. So the verse says, you're commanded, it's a command. You will love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your either money or whatever cards you were dealt in life and, uh, and what kind of life you, you were given. But this command is a very, um, I guess, hard to understand command. Right? Now it's you, your child comes home from school. My teacher hates me. No, your teacher doesn't hate you. Yeah, no, your teacher doesn't hate you. Your teacher loves you. Right? And then you teach the child do this, do that, do the other thing. And your teacher will like you, and you'll like your teacher. you got to learn to like your teacher. You can't tell me I have to like my teacher. How am I supposed to like my teacher? Now, that's really a very fair question, right? Like, if I, if you tell, if I tell you, if I tell a child, somebody just uh, had a whole conversation recently, like two nights ago. The, um, a friend of mine, it's, he has a cousin that's, uh, getting divorced, already older, and I say, how the kid's taking it, and, and he, he had such an interesting take, he says, it doesn't matter. Children must 
love their parents. Doesn't matter what the garbage is going on in the house. Children must love their parents. Now, I said, I mean, I mean, maybe they're supposed to, but you you, you can re- recognize, you can relate, you can understand that, you know, it's not always so easy. I don't care. They have to do it anyways. That's the command, Ten Commandments. They have to do it. Okay, it, it, you know, it obviously was not a good time to have that simple, easy conversation. My friend was not ready to hear that conversation. But most of us, I think, can understand that love and like, by the way, are emotions. And you cannot tell me to have an emotion. An emotion a lot of times is earned. I love my wife. Okay, it didn't happen overnight. Yeah, it is chemistry there, but but after the chemistry wears wears off, right? After the as they say, the lust uh, wears off. So now we gotta we gotta create that relationship. We have to create that love. Hopefully, most husbands and wives can work on their marriage, and you're always working on your marriage, and you're always working on your relationship, and you're always building on your relationship. And, and that increases the love. You don't get to just coast, right? You got to find the time, right? It's summertime. We're going to be going away for the next couple of weeks. But over those next couple of weeks, and I go away with my wife, we're be visiting the kids and the grandchildren and taking kids to camp and getting kids from camp and bungalow colonies. We have a lot of stuff to do. I'm sure we'll do shopping. But I, I made sure that there's time that's cut out. It's just for us. And we're going to sit by the water or walk by the water or hang out by the water. And I, was like, I couldn't wait to get the hotel room when we're ready because then we'll get too busy. We'll get too busy. We don't have time to talk. No, no. We are slicing out time every day, time during the vacation just for ourselves. Kids are in camp. Kids are married. Kids are busy. Very good. Because you're always working, always building, always creating a better, more beautiful relationship. Very good. So that's what we people do. But how can the verse tell me that I must love God? How can you tell me to do that? Right? This is a, it's, it's a very deep question. People say it you know, at least twice, if not three or four times a day. We're commanded to love God. How do you want me to love God? How am I supposed to do this? And how can you command me to have an emotion. So there's a lot of words that have been, uh, a lot of ink has been spilled to, to clarify this, this emotion and what's expected of me. But first things first, as Fasema says, the fact that I'm commanded to love God means it must be possible. It doesn't mean I don't have to work. Of course I have to work. But it's got to be something that everyone can do, maybe on different levels, maybe different uh, amounts, but for sure we're all, we all have the ability. Um, the Hasidim say that really there's, it's already there. Right? God put a spark. God put a spark that we automatically love him. The only thing we got to do is we have to fan the flame. So, you know, as they they want to explain that it's not hard to do. It's just you gotta you gotta find it within you. And once that flame gets 
fanned, it explodes and becomes a bonfire. So the Dubna Magid says, uh, to explain this a little better, man goes to a tailor, has a measure out, the jacket and the pants and the shirt. Uh, okay, it comes back a few weeks later, picks up his jacket, picks up his suit, goes home, comes back an hour later, says, this doesn't fit me at all. This is terrible. You, you clearly have no idea how to, how to measure a person. So the tailor bursts out laughing. He says, you fool. He says, you can't wear the new jacket on top of the old jacket. You take off the old jacket. You take off the old pants. You take off the old shirt. Put on the new shirt. Put on the new pair of pants. Put on the new jacket. And you'll see it fits perfectly. He says, if we want, you know, love is an emotion. Emotions we've talked about. Emotions are spiritual. You can't touch it. Right? Hate, love, jealousy, kindness, right? Feelings. Those those are spiritual feelings, right? They are not physical. Right? There may be physical lust, but that's not a feeling, right? That's that's chemicals. You want the spiritual love. Well, you're gonna have to get rid of some of your physicality, some of the things you want and desire. Get rid of of the physical, and the space will get filled with love. The more pure my heart becomes, the more I remove myself physically, which, of course, we all want a physical world, right? We all enjoy a physical world, as I was telling my class today. Um, write myself a little note over here. Um, the more we... we create a, a spiritual and um, I don't want to say create a spiritual body but the more we relate to spiritual the less physical and the more love so I told my class like this can't remember what the question was a boy asked me a question oh yeah so a boy wanted to he, we were talking about very interesting how the conversation went but um, there's a concept that if I spend money for delicacies, I gave them an example of seven-layer cake, right? But if you buy food that you enjoy for the Sabbath, for holidays, so it says God pays you back. You know, even though at the beginning of the year, God makes a calculation and says, this is how much money you're earning this year for all those who bought their... Um, Mega Millions or Powerball Ticket or for some of us both, right? So God's decided how much money I'm earning this year already. I'm just trying to help God out. I bought the ticket. So, you know, if he wants me to earn a little bit more than the $2 I won from the last ticket, I'm going to have to get a few more numbers correct. So, um, so if you spend money for your enjoyment on the Sabbath, so you get paid back. That doesn't really count in, in the whole picture, in the whole overall picture. So boy says, what do you mean? So I just buy it for the Sabbath, but it has nothing to do with Sabbath, and it's free? I said, no. I said, you have to buy it for Sabbath. He says, I'm buying the chocolate cake because I like chocolate cake. I said, you're right. So I said, there was a man in town. His name, he went by the name of Rabbi Jay. Now he lives in Israel. 
And in his synagogue, every Friday night, he gave, he ended his Friday night two-minute speech. He always ended it the same way. He said, remember to enjoy your gefilte fish. If you don't know what gefilte fish is, you need to check how Jewish you are. No, no, that's not true. But uh, gefilte fish is something that many people have on a Friday night. It's, it's basically a white fish with salmon. It's ground up. You buy it in jars. You buy it frozen and you cook it, whatever. It's not so important for us right now what it is. But his point was, and he clarified this point every week, in other words, I'm allowed. I'm supposed to enjoy the food I'm eating. But if my attitude is that I'm also enjoying it for the Sabbath, I have now infused that piece of fish or seven-layer cake with spirituality. I've changed what I'm doing. If I'm eating because I love food, you know, then that's what I am. If I'm eating to strengthen myself so I can serve God, that's a whole different kind of eating. And there's everywhere in between. And there's nothing wrong with doing both. So the idea is, yes, it's a physical world, but I can infuse the physicality, if that's a real word, with spirituality. And the more spiritual I can fill it with, the more I get rid of some of that physical, the more room in my heart there is to love God. And you understand, as I make a little bit of room for God, God gets in a little bit. You let him in a little bit, start letting him in a little bit more, and a little bit more. And that is what the Dubna Magid is trying to teach us, that there's room in my heart. I got to just get rid of some of the clutter. And as I get rid of some of the clutter, God moves in. Get rid of more clutter, there's even more room for God. And that will build on that idea of loving God. Now, by the way, we should explain what does it mean to love God? What, what does that mean? What does that mean? So Maimonides says the, that more than a person could be consumed with like love for his wife and children. Hopefully people love their spouses, love their children. What does that mean? It really means right, a person you love, you're constantly thinking about. You're thinking about them when you're in front of them. It doesn't mean you can't work. But I'm thinking about them. You go to a store. You know your wife likes chocolate. So buy her a piece of chocolate. You know what I mean? You know the person likes certain things. In business, you do it all the time, right? Right? You're thinking about your business person and somebody trying to have an in with you know, many years ago. There was a person I raised some money from. He loved trains. He loved trains. I was in Target, and they had this watch where the second hand had a train going around it. I bought it for him. Now, he didn't know how to make it work, so I had to replace it. Can you imagine you buy a gift for somebody, and he loves it, but it doesn't work, so he makes you buy him a new one. But in any case, um, so the the constant thinking about the person you care about and the person you love. So by God, it's all the greater, right? It's got to, in your heart, in your soul, you're busy thinking about God. That in itself becomes love, right? The, the goal, right? Like a lot of things we talk about. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, the goal is that I'm always constantly thinking about God. And and that's the hardest thing. We're, 
our brains are so full with a thousand other things, I'm making sure to think about everything but God. Everything. Now, Rebbe Bechaya says, um, really more along the line of, the, of what I was telling you before, right? That use everything to serve God. I'm going to sleep. Yes, I'm tired. But if I get a good night's sleep, I can serve God. You just made your whole night's sleep spiritual. Uh, okay, you know, my breakfasts are quite unusual. Right now, my breakfasts usually are eggs, avocado, tomatoes, some spicy mayo. Um, when I'm daring, you can throw some uh, onions in there. Um, today we had some cottage cheese because the avocado just weren't ripe. Didn't pick good last time. Um, right? So, come on. I like that breakfast. But if I have a good breakfast so that I can serve God, I can teach Torah in the morning. Hello. That breakfast just became spiritual. It's not hard. And even if you think it's weird, it's not weird, as the rabbi said. The question is not weird. You're weird. Right? In other words, it's not a big deal. And it could be private. But it changes everything you do. It changes your whole outlook to how you live. But the problem is, right, the problem really is, uh, you know, that's good, right? But uh, how, how am I supposed to be doing this? How am I supposed to be thinking about God, making everything spiritual? It happens to be there's four things you're supposed to do, right? Number one, is when I'm studying, when I'm, when I'm, when I'm studying Torah, when I'm doing kindness, I'm doing it for God's sake, not for me. I get a level, right? You get rewarded when you serve God, but can you can you can you up the level? Can you go ahead and say I'm doing this for God, not for me? That's one. Can you bless number two? Can you bless God? For good and bad. It's easy. Oh, thank you, Hashem. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Oh, thank you, God. Right? The guy scores a touchdown. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. He probably doesn't say thank you, God, when uh, when he uh, when when the guy blew past him and caught a touchdown. He's not so good at thanking God then. Right? But we got to thank God for everything because God's responsible for everything that happens to me. Now, when you recognize that everything that happens to you, good and bad, is because of God things don't bother you so much anymore. Number three, love includes, can you give up your life to serve God? That's the famous Rabbi Akiva. When the Romans were were combing his skin, so it says he was smiling. So they said, how are you smiling? He said, my whole life, I said, I love God. I said, I love God so much, I'll even give my life up for him. Really? I mean, it sounds good, but would you? So Akiva says, I'm being tested. I can do it. And the fourth thing is to make people want to love God. Not only you love God, make other people want to love God. How do I make somebody love God? So you set a good example. Right? People see you. People see how you act, how you behave, um, what you do. And they, and, they, and they respect who and what you are. Because you serve God? <laughs> Can't do better than that.
I want to be like him or her. People see children. Some children can behave nicely in the store. I'm not saying when a little baby is crying. Children are children, right? But can you act appropriately your age? Oh, man, I had so much more to do. And we are not going to get there today because the music is playing. Well, I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you, of course, to all wonderful fans and listeners. You know, I can't do it without you. Thank you for my wonderful production team. I have Jen in the back. I hope I've left you with some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi T. Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRM Streamcast. And until next time, don't forget to think about it. Oh.